This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're graduating to older sibling in episode number 92. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am thrilled to be here again this week. This week, we are going to talk a little bit about helping your baby transition into being an older sibling, which is something that I've gotten a lot of requests for. We are on podcast episode 92. I realized after I had gotten the entire episode made, uploaded, and released last week that I goofed on the intro to last week's episode and said that it was episode 92, but it was actually only episode 91. So this week we're here for episode 92, and this week we are going to talk about some exciting things to help your little one transition into being a little bit bigger one. I have seven kids at the time of this recording. Maybe one day we'll have another one. But I've seen six kiddos now become an older brother or an older sister, and I think that gives me some perspective on it and the ability to add, you know, a little bit of wisdom and give a few tips. One thing that I do want to say is I believe that a lot of moms, especially moms who are going from one to two, really one of the big things that you worry about is how will I ever love another child the way that I love this child that's in front of me? How could I ever love the new baby so much? And I just want to encourage you to know that that love grows. And it's different. I truly feel like there's a baseline love that's like, you know, I love my children desperately uh, enough to die for them kind of love that is there for every child. But then the... Each child is his or her own unique person, and you will love him or her in their own unique way. Um, I, I would say that I have kids who are harder to parent than other kids that I have, and um, I still love even those tough ones desperately, and there are little things about even those challenging ones that just melt my heart. And then there's the, there are the kids who are a little bit easier, and of course they don't cause quite so much stress, but they have their moments for sure. They have their foibles and faults because they're human. Um, so, you know, and then, then they have moments where I just feel my heart melt for them. So I believe that if you have that baby, you have the love for that baby. And a mother's love can never can never dry up. Um, it can never be gone. I, I truly believe that even a mom whose child has turned totally away from her Uh, and gone totally away that she would have preferred that child not go, there's still a place in her heart that very much loves that child and that, that cries out for that child and that longs for that child. So just to sum this up, I really want to encourage you that if you're sitting here thinking, how will I ever love another kid? Um... As much as I love this little one, it will happen, and you will be amazed. It's like your well of love grows with every child, and there is yet another huge piece of your heart walking around outside of your body with every new child that you welcome into your family. Another common concern is, how will I prepare my child 
to become an older sibling, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to give you some really practical suggestions, but before I jump into all of that, one thing, again, that I want to give you just for encouragement is 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 relax a little bit about it. So there, there are a lot of ideas you can put into place, and I believe that you should. Obviously, I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I didn't think that there was some value to knowing some of these things beforehand. But also, uh, I think that we can get really stressed out and really worried about this, especially if you're coming from this kind of um, attachment parenting, in tune to your child, always meeting your child's needs kind of focus. And then you wonder, oh, how can I add another child into the mix without you know, somehow neglecting this other child? And I just want to encourage you to think, that giving a child a sibling uh, is inherently a huge gift for so many reasons. I'll even tell you real quick a little funny story. I did a class last week uh, on building up baby's microbiota, which was a fabulous class. We had lots of people there. It was just a great webinar. You can go to naturalbirthandbabycare.com slash shop if you want to get the replay and all the questions. It was just a lot of fun. But one of the things that I discovered while researching for that class was a proven way to give your child a better microbiota is to give them more siblings. The more siblings that a child has, the healthier their gut is, which was just really funny and interesting. And I threw it in at the very end of the webinar for a way to to build up a little one's microbiome. But I just think that's hilarious. I mean, in, in addition to all of the many, 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 many benefits that we've known for years about having a child grow up with a sibling and have a sibling throughout their life, we, you know, we never even realized that having siblings is actually beneficial to your child's gut health. So, so again, I know that was a little tangent and I hope you found it as amusing as I did, but that little rabbit trail was there to help you again, just, I want you to internalize that when you give your child a sibling, you're giving your child a gift. You're doing a great thing for your child. Um, one of the things that I really like seeing on Facebook, I love Facebook because it helps me keep connected with my family. I don't keep up with all of my friends and stuff as much as I should on there, but I can keep up with what's going on with my family. And I love to see my parents and my aunts and my uncles just interacting with each other on Facebook because we can kind of see what's going on with the family group and just seeing how much comfort my parents have gotten from their siblings it's especially as all of them have kind of become empty nesters, so they're not quite so tied up with raising me and my brother and my cousins and everybody. Seeing their relationships blossom and mature has been a blessing to me um, to see that and to think, you know, that I'll be able to have that kind of relationship with my brother and my cousins when we're not all so much in the thick of child raising, which is the period of life that we're in. But then those siblings are there. And of course, you know, all my aunts and uncles are involved with grandbabies and everything. But it's just special to see that sibling relationship that they have there and to hear my mom chat about, um, you know, chat about chatting with her sister or her brother or even her sister-in-law. I mean, it's just, it's a really wonderful thing. And I think that that is a powerful testimony to the beauty of giving your child a sibling. So 
It may mean in the moment that you're not as able to be right there for your child's needs when they're a little kid, but you're giving them a gift that will keep on giving and giving and giving and giving even when you're very likely to be gone or even when they need somebody to support them through saying goodbye to you, which is a really hard thing to think about right now for us as parents, but it is going to be the reality for our children for the most part. So that's something to think about and something to take comfort in. And also just take comfort in the fact that growing up and learning that the world doesn't center quite so much around me and that I've been given these things by the world I've been cared for and so I can turn around and care for other people is a gift to give our children too. Okay, with that, let's let's go on to some practical thoughts about this now that I've hopefully given you a little bit of inspiration and maybe a reassurance about taking this leap with your little one. One of the things that I think I did right even right from the get-go. I got pregnant with Asher, my second, when my first, Cassidy, was 10 months old. And right now it's kind of hard for me to even imagine that because Sadie is 14 months old and and I'm just like, whoa, she's so intense to parent. How would I even manage to do it if I was exhausted growing another baby? But I've actually had quite a few that have come kind of back-to-back like that. So, you know, she was still very much a baby. And one of the things I think I did right was was making her part of my pregnancy. It wasn't something she really understood on like a strong cognitive level. She was, you know, 10 months old and then she was just just over 18 months old or like just she was just days shy of turning 19 months old. So she was 18 months old and about to turn 19 months old when Asher was born. And so, you know, there wasn't just, there wasn't a lot of thinking, but especially as my belly began to grow, I very much made her part of my pregnancy and I talked to her about what was going on and, you know, she was able to feel my belly, feel kicks or lay down on my belly or I rocked her down for a nap every day and so she was always, you know, curled up right there along my belly, kind of scooped uh, off to the side of my belly as it got bigger, but... It was very much, she was very much part of it. And we were seeing a midwife, so it was very easy even to make her part of prenatal appointments. My midwife joked um, that she had, and I think actually I've heard both of my midwives joke about this, they have these tape measures that are just, you know, they're on a little plastic roller and you pull the tape measure out and there's this little tab on the end of the tape and that tab is what stops it from going all the way inside the little plastic roller when it's wound back up or retracted back in there. And so little toddlers are are murder on those plastic tabs. And once that thing's broken, the tape measure is useless. And I can remember um, Charlie, my first midwife of my first three, and then even Kathy with my next, just laughing because another tape measure bites the dust when when toddler siblings or preschool siblings are playing with it because they see the midwife measure mom's fundal height and then they want to do it. Or they see the midwife using the fetoscope to listen to baby's heartbeat and then they want to do that. So it's just, it's part of involving them in that prenatal care. And I know it's harder when you're seeking care with, uh, with say, an obstetrician or maybe even a busy midwifery practice where they aren't prioritizing making appointments long or where there are long waits in the waiting room. 
And that, that might be a time where you decide, I'm not going to bring my little one or I'm only going to bring sometimes. Uh, I'm going to bring like an activity kit to keep them occupied in the waiting room. But you can also do a lot of this that your care provider does, even at home. You could even make it a once a week ritual. And I did this not for my children's sake with Sadie, but, but for my own curiosity and just it was me bonding with her and having some time with her. But, um, but you can you can kind of measure your own fundal height or palpate your own baby, feel your own baby's position. That's what I loved doing when I was pregnant with Sadie. You can get a fetoscope, an inexpensive one, um, off of Amazon.com, like 20 bucks, And and you can you can catch your baby, so to speak, and listen to your baby's heartbeat. It's harder at first. I was able to hear Sadie at around 15 weeks or so because I was very determined and dedicated to chasing her around. But as she got bigger, it was easier, and so you could let your child listen. And to be honest, um, even just putting the fetoscope on around where you know the placenta is, if you're listening to the fetoscope, you'll probably be able to find the placenta pretty quickly or umbilical arteries because you'll hear whoosh, 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 whoosh. And that kind of swooshing, breathy, windy sound is the placenta. Um, And it's... Its rate is kind of at the same rate as your heart rate. It's not as fast as the baby's. But even that is exciting for little ones to listen to. Um, So, you know, you don't even necessarily have to be right on target with the fetal heart rate. Just the act of putting the fetoscope in their ear and listening is fun for them. And just playing with the tape measure and being able to measure it um, or having you palpate your belly, which that means, you know, feel your baby in your belly and then letting them do that. Again, these are activities uh, that you can do with your little one that helps them to bond with the baby because it's natural while you're doing all of this to talk about the baby and talk about how how excited you are about the baby coming and just make it you know make it fun and as you do baby preparations I know for me preparing for the baby has always been so much fun even at this point I mean, we've had seven babies, and we really don't need anything if we're gonna have a new baby. We just have everything. But I still enjoy uh, going thrift shopping or yard sailing or something. And when I find an adorable little baby outfit uh, and I'm pregnant, I still like to buy it and bring it home and get it clean and folded up so that this baby has something new or mostly new. Oftentimes you can find things that are brand new when you're looking through baby stuff. Um, but, you know, just that. It's just so much fun, and you can involve your children in that if you cloth diaper, or even if you're using disposables, but you're getting all the diapers and everything organized. You can let them be part of that. Even if you have to go back later and straighten it up after them, you can still include them. So I'm a real big fan of including them in that happy anticipation of the baby, even if for you the new baby coming is stressful, and often that's the case. Uh, Oftentimes, the timing that a baby picks may not have been the timing that you would pick, or there may be financial pressures or other things like that going on, but you can shield your child from that and just enjoy uh, the promise of a new sibling and the joy of those things coming, and I think that that also helps you get excited about the baby, prepare for the baby, and uh, and gives you a little bit of an oxytocin boost too so that you're really able to enjoy waiting for this little one and so that the little one that's in your belly can be bathed in those um, fellowshipping 
being together, family bonding kind of hormones. That's a good thing for them. Another thing that I've done during many of my pregnancies is read books to my kids. There are so many books out there about getting ready for a new baby. Your library probably has like 50. What I would do is check out a whole bunch of them. You browse through them and decide the ones that you like that resonate with you and what you want your child to hear. And then share some of those with your child across your pregnancy. My family's particular favorite book for preparing for a new sibling is Julius, Baby of the World, which is just a hilariously funny and very sweet book. It's by um, Kevin Hinkes, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it is just a wonderful book. It's, it's, it's a storybook. Um, might be a little bit long for the little, little, little ones, but definitely like preschool, elementary age. And I'm sure that if I were to sit down and start reading it right now, even my, you know, my rising high schooler would come sit to listen to it because it's a great book. So that's the book that we like. We've read quite a few other books. There's some big brother, big sister specific books that we've had handed down to us from other families. And those have always been... Um, those have always been a big hit. There's another one that actually, I'm trying to remember. See if I can find it real quick. There was one that my mom read to me when I was waiting on my baby. Oh, the Berenstein Bears new baby is, is a good one. But when I was waiting on my baby sibling, and I wanna say it was called Baby Brother. Um, but I don't remember the author right now. Anyways, it was just a really, really, really sweet book. So there were a lot of good books out there to help you, uh, help you kind of guide your child to that wonderful, wonderful little transition. Okay. This, I think... This next tip can work during pregnancy, but especially we're starting to think about once baby comes. One of the big things that I believe that we should do when our baby comes is be matter of fact about the baby. So I believe that a lot of parents, and this goes back to what I talked about, um, talked about a little bit before that I don't want you to feel guilty or whatever, that I want you to feel convicted that giving your child a sibling is a good thing. I think that because a lot of us don't feel like that, uh, a lot of us are a little bit apologetic when it comes to talking about a sibling. And, you know, if a sibling does something that, uh, you know, like the sibling is going to decide to come on the day of your older child's recital or a play that they're in or something, of course you might say, you know, I'm sorry that the baby had bad timing, but it's a joy to get this new baby. You know, you might apologize um, where it's appropriate, but, and this is a big but, I don't really think that, you know, for the normal day-to-day -day things where we're thinking about, um, where we're thinking about baby care and baby maybe getting in the way of something a sibling wants to do, I don't believe that it's a good idea to be apologetic. I think it's much better to be matter of fact. You know, the baby's diaper needs to be changed right now, so we're going to change the baby's diaper. Or the baby's hungry, so mama needs to nurse the baby. That's just the way it is. I think when children hear us 
being very apologetic about something like that. They pick up on it, and it's not positive for them. Uh, it's not good for them. The reality is, is that having a new sibling and caring for them is a matter-of-fact kind of thing. It is frustrating, and if your child is to the age where they can really understand that, and I mean, I'm talking about older elementary school or middle school or high schooler, sure, you can acknowledge, I know this is really frustrating for you, but we need to take care of your younger sibling and we love them. I mean, think about it. If you were, say, having to take care of your parent, if you had to do elder care because they were disabled and they had to come into the home, with an older child, you might say, I know that it's frustrating that we have to take care of grandpa and we can't do as much, but we want to show grandpa that we love him. We want to make these last days of his comfortable. We want to be here for him in these last years. And this is really a great blessing. And you would help your child look upon it positively. And with a young child, you probably wouldn't even go into all those explanations. You would say something like, it's wonderful that grandpa's here. We're able to care for him. We're able to learn to be quiet, to help him rest. And then when he's feeling good, we're able to hear his stories and maybe he can read you a story, that sort of thing. It's just, you would make it age appropriate, but you would keep it relatively matter of fact. And it should be the same with a younger sibling. Keep it matter of fact because if they don't pick up on you being negative about it or they don't pick up on you giving them permission to be negative about it, sure, there may, be, there may still be some negativity, but it's not going to be as much because you're matter of fact, because you're calm, cool, and collected they're going to feel more secure. They're going to feel more able to be calm, cool, and connected. So that's an important thing. Be matter-of-fact about the baby. Don't be apologetic. The baby's here. The baby's a blessing. And babies need a lot of care. That's okay. One thing that I have heard that a lot of people do is they give their older child a present from the baby. That's not something we've ever done. If it's something that you want to do, I think that it's okay to do. What I've usually done for my younger kids, I don't do it with my older ones, but for my younger kids is I might make up some activity boxes that are special for them for the early postpartum period. So these are just some fun activities, maybe some little inexpensive toys that I've picked out that won't make a huge mess and uh, and that are just new and fresh, things that they can see and enjoy in the early days with a new baby, um, some coloring books and other activities like that. If you guys do educational DVDs or anything of that nature, you might slip one into the box, that sort of thing. So it's basically just a fun box, and it doubles as as a activity box for you to use to keep your little one occupied when maybe you need them occupied postpartum. Another thing that I feel really helps along those lines is to look into laid-back breastfeeding. We talked about this a lot in my breastfeeding class. Um, even La Leche League's talking about it a lot more now. Biological nurturing is another name for it. Uh, I feel like it shows a lot of promise for helping moms and babies get nursing off to a good start. But it's also really wonderful when you're caring for older siblings because it's so baby-led and it doesn't require as much of your hands to be holding and wibbling and wobbling your baby into all kinds of positions. So you have more hands free to to touch your older child, to cuddle your older child, um, 
to hold a book for your older child or just it's easier to interact with other people when your hands are freer. So this laid back breastfeeding not only has many benefits for your newborn and for you, but it can also benefit older siblings. So I would definitely look into that. Another thing that can facilitate enjoying older siblings and still being there to meet all of your baby's needs are baby carriers. I like using a knit knit wrap carrier. Um, Somebody actually shot me an email after the last podcast episode where I was recommending having a knit carrier for the baby and it's actually the boba wrap that I've used which you can get off of Amazon. Um, But a knit carrier is really nice because it's just it's so easy to keep the baby snuggled up to you. I have had one baby, which was Corwin, who did not care for the knit carrier very much. But all of my other newborns have just loved it and would snooze happily in it for a little bit on my chest. And so you could do that while you're interacting with your older child or pop baby in the carrier while you went on a walk with your older child. Or just, you know, it's just a way to leave you again hands-free to be able to interact with that child while still meeting the needs of your baby. Another classic suggestion is involving your older child. So ask them to go get you a diaper, or ask them to bring you the wipes or the diaper cream, ask them to bring you a burp cloth. As your baby gets older, you might ask them to bring you a toy for the baby. All of those things where they feel like they're helping. And it doesn't necessarily have to be with baby care. It can be with things like setting the table or depending on how old they are, getting filling up the water. Uh, Honor is about to turn five and she's gotten to where she can use a stool to fill up the family's water bottles because we kind of have standing water bottles around the house color coded for each person. And she can fill those up and she really delights in doing that. So that's a wonderful thing for her at four to be able to do to help the family and it's something we can you know we can thank her for blessing the family by doing that anything like that helps you to to praise your child's efforts you know that they had worked hard for that and to thank them for blessing the family and just again it it includes them it makes them realize that they're an important part of the family they're not the baby anymore but they're still an important and valued part of the family I would also recommend that at least at first you have some help for day-to-day care of your older children. This isn't possible for everybody, but if it is if it is at all possible for you to have dad there for a few days, to have grandma or an aunt there for a few days, even an uncle. Um, I got uh, mastitis when Asher was a baby probably two or three weeks old and my brother came and took care of Cassidy for a couple days which was such a blessing to me but you know so somebody maybe somebody can come maybe you can hire a postpartum doula or even if even if you can't do that perhaps you can um, arrange for meal delivery or arrange for a cleaning lady to come in for a few days just to help with something But especially if you can have somebody there that's really able to focus intensely on your older child's needs, that's going to be a really good thing. If you can't have that, and even if you can, I still recommend putting up meals in the freezer, maybe planning out some easy, simple, favored shelf-stable meals for your children. 
um, depending on what you do. We have we get these Wasa rye crackers that my kids really love to have with peanut butter. So if I were going to have another baby, that might be something I would consider for my little ones. It's just like rye crackers with peanut butter on them and maybe baby carrots or something for simple lunches for a couple of days because it takes so little effort um, or could even be prepared in you know a couple days before my due date and stowed in the fridge kind of thing until that day got there so little shortcuts little things like that even fruit cups or things you wouldn't normally give your child but may make a good easy option for you to streamline that day-to-day care in the early weeks and again especially if you can have somebody there to help that's really nice I believe that routine adjustments and routine synchronization are important. If you know there are going to need to be major adjustments to your child's routine after the baby is born, I feel like it's better to try and work on those during pregnancy. So for instance, if your child is still in the family bed, uh, I've usually gotten pregnant while still having a toddler in the family bed, and it has been generally my choice to move them out of the family bed at some point during pregnancy. Most of them have still been in our room in a toddler bed when the new baby comes, but but we haven't done bed sharing. Um, with a newborn and an older toddler just because that's our preference. But I've made sure to take time during pregnancy a bit before the new baby came to do that. Some families need to move a toddler out of a crib uh, into a bigger bed. Again, that would be something to do during pregnancy. And if you know that there are other adjustments to your routine, things that you'll need to shift around once the baby comes, it's good to think through those things during pregnancy and make those things happen. Now, routine synchronization is when we're thinking about things like nap times and things like that. Now, your toddler likely, unless you are having Irish twins, so they're really close, but your toddler is unlikely to still be taking a morning nap when your baby comes. But you may want to think through, when do I want to start working on establishing the morning nap time for my baby? Or when do I want my baby to get up and then my baby might be going back to sleep? And can I plan some sort of calmer activity? Um, If you've been part of the Smart Mama Happy Baby Club, one of the things that we talk about with establishing routines is is kind of a Waldorf concept, which is in-breath, out-breath. So we want to have activities that are that are more active are out-breath activities and then calmer, more centered activities are in-breath activities and we kind of want to alternate those. That's one of the things we really talk about in Smart Mama Happy Baby and in designing a day that's really nurturing to little ones. Um, But so you might plan like an in-breath activity to be about the time you're anticipating that your your baby is going to be taking that morning nap. So that might be a quiet reading time or that might be like a quiet drawing or coloring or an art time for your older child so that you're able to get the baby wound down and hopefully off for the morning nap. Chances are your toddler will still be taking an afternoon nap when your baby comes and even preschoolers can learn to have like a quiet rest time when uh, when it's it's nap time for your baby. So again, this this is that routine synchronization where you want to make sure that you're doing what they need to do to go down for that nap at about the same time. For me, when I had Asher, this was 
this was something that I worked really hard at doing because for the first five months of Asher's life, it was just me, Cassidy, and Asher. And I had to do everything for both of them. So I would rock Asher down and nurse him for his nap. And then I, I did have a little bouncy seat. And I would put him in the bouncy seat, which was right in front of the rocker. So while And I still needed to rock Cassidy down because she was 19 months old and 20 months. You know, she was still a pretty young toddler. And so I rocked her down for her nap every day too. So I would put him in the bouncy seat once he was drowsy, basically sleeping. And, and I would kind of bounce him lightly with my foot while I rocked Cassidy down for her nap. And then I would put her down. And then actually I took a nap too. I would, t I would pick Asher up from the bouncy seat and bring him to bed with me. Cassidy was still in my bedroom. So her little bed was right there beside mine. And then, you know, we would just all nap. I would nap for about 20 or 30 minutes and then get up. And the two of them would nap in there for quite a bit longer. But having them on that same routine was absolutely vital. And actually, the way that I kind of stumbled upon routines working was necessity with the two of them. And the reason why I got Asher into, into a good morning nap routine was because I did have that quieter time for Cassidy where I gave her her morning snack. I had my morning snack. And then we did whatever quiet activity. It's been, you know, Asher's about to turn 13. So it's been 13 years ago now. Um, but I don't remember exactly what our routine was, but whatever it was, it was something calm and quiet. And he would always, I think I would just always sit down to nurse him after we had our snack in the rocker. And she was occupied with probably an art activity or playing quietly on the floor. And so he would always fall asleep. And he got into a good morning nap habit. Same time every morning. It just worked beautifully. And there are other things, especially as your baby gets older, when you're thinking about meals and stuff like that. You want to synchronize all of that. Keep all of that at the same time as much as possible. Think about everybody's needs and how you can make handling their needs part of the daily routine. Because daily routine can carry a child through a lot of upheaval. A new sibling or some sort of trauma in the family. Anything like that that can upset a child's world. A predictable daily routine can help carry them through that and give them emotional security. So that's a great thing to do for your child's benefit and also for your own sanity. A parting thought here as we wrap this topic up is some of this is really personality. Most of my kids have been super easygoing um, about new siblings, even looking forward to new siblings. My kids have been kind of campaigning Scott to, to be agreeable to another baby, which is a, you know, that's a conversation for another time. But, but my kids like new babies. But I do have one particular kid who shall remain nameless, who has definitely had a lot more trouble with being jealous and envious of younger siblings. He really, uh, he really still has a lot of trouble with it, even though he's gotten more than one at this point. So I think that part of it is really personality. And you, you can respect that, but also help that child to realize um, that a sibling is a good thing, that a sibling is a blessing. And you can work on making sure that you're giving that child specific times with them and that you're filling them up as much as you can, that, that proverbial emotional needs cup that they have. But also realize that sometimes just because it's part of their personality 
doesn't mean that you have to pander to it all the time. You're an adult, you're intelligent, so you can objectively think through, okay, what does my child need? And you'll have that nagging feeling if, okay, I'm not giving this child what they need. I'm not meeting their needs. I'm not there enough for them. And I encourage you to think through it as objectively as possible to separate it from guilt that a child might be trying to project. Um, But, you know, think through it. And then once you're certain, okay, I've made accommodations, I've made these adjustments to help my child, and then now we're getting to the point where it's just just a personality thing. It's just a they, you know, they want 100% undivided attention from mom and dad, and you know that that's not realistic. It's not realistic if they have a bunch of siblings. It's not realistic if they're an only child. It's just... They're never going to be able to have the entire world revolve around them. And there are some people who definitely personality-wise want that more than others. So if you have that kid, again, make sure that you're meeting their needs and that you're there for them. But also don't sweat it if they have to be uncomfortable a little bit um, in figuring out creative pursuits or things like that to help keep themselves occupied. Or if you can direct them, a lot of times those kids will act out by trying to mimic the baby and that sort of thing. And you can help encourage them to find more age-appropriate pursuits. Give them acknowledgement, not fake, but, you know, natural acknowledgement, like we talked about before with uh, with how they can bless the family by doing simple things like setting the table or filling up waters or bringing things to you. So those are things to look at. It's natural, I think, for children to say, okay, well, the baby gets attention for this, especially if it's a child who's struggling more with jealousy. So I'm going to do this, but we don't necessarily, you know, we don't have to just sit back and let them do that. We can let them know, okay, well, you know, I appreciate when you do this or that for me. So just encourage them to the level that you can and realize that for some kids, it is going to be a harder transition than it is for others. And that, again, doesn't mean that it's a bad transition. I think that inherently giving a child a sibling is a gift and a wonderful thing. But you just have to look at your child, look at them as an individual and kind of roll with the punches and work with them to so that they can figure out how they're blessed because you know that they're blessed to have this new little sibling in their life and you can help them see that too. Okay, guys and gals, we're going to wrap up now because we're getting pretty close to the 40-minute mark. I am excited because next week I'm going to have an interview for you on the podcast. We're going to talk with a doctor who has a really exciting new way to handle morning sickness that works not gradually, but literally in seconds. So that's pretty exciting. I was really excited to talk to him, and I can't wait to share the interview with you. So we'll talk about that next week. Remember, you can always let me know what you would like to hear about. I love getting feedback. And uh, and also feel free to let me know what you thought. Let me know if you've got any questions. Let me know if you've got any concerns. Um, and if you've got any feedback, if there were things that you liked or things that you didn't like, go ahead and let me know. I would love to hear it. Take a minute to leave a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. I really appreciate it and it helps other people find the podcast. And with that, I hope you have a blessed week and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com visit www.birthbabylife.com